it's caught Hollywood. Lights, camera, action, Hollywood Brown. CD Lamb still running. It's a quarter. CD for the TD. People don't know what it is to be champions. Oklahoma invented it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Not Inside OU. This is now through the keyhole, full on. And so, the last I checked, this is Brady Trantham, by the way, joined over the computer Zoom machine by Mr. Keegan Renault and another special guest that our patrons already know about, Twitter knows about, but if you're just listening on the podcast feed and that's how you know us, I'll introduce our now uh, third member of this squad in just a few minutes, but uh, just some logistics for the uh, inside OU listeners, uh, as it were, as it were known, if you've looked on your podcast feed, it might be called something else. Now it's called through the keyhole. And all that is just because I'm tired of differentiating between two different things, even though it's basically Keegan and I, so it's just called through the keyhole and Apple podcasts. If you're listening on an iPhone or Apple podcasters in general, uh, the logo should be different, but it takes about 24 hours and it's still the Inside OU logo. It's going to be a new Through the Keyhole logo. So again, you've, you've, you've had to do nothing. You've not had to unsubscribe or resubscribe or follow along somewhere else. It is just a different name with a different picture that downloads onto your phone. It's still the same. Every Thursday, Keegan and I are going to meet up, usually at Vanessa House. Not today, obviously, but usually at Vanessa House. Uh, the brewery on Broadway and 8th in Oklahoma City to preview Oklahoma's upcoming game on Saturday. And we are finally here uh, previewing Oklahoma and Tulane, the dreaded road test for the Oklahoma Sooners played in Memorial Stadium on Owen Field. But now let us uh, introduce the third member, the third horseman of this uh, here podcast group moving forward. Again, the patrons know about this from Tuesday uh, again, you can always go to our Patreon page, which is also called Through the Keyhole. It's all through the keyhole now. So if you're interested, go check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash through the keyhole. We added an extra tier also for just $1. So you can get Keegan. Any, anytime Keegan writes something or I write something, you'll get that. $4 a month will get you all the articles plus podcasts and silly videos. $5 a month gets you everything plus Keegan's awesome film reviews that'll be dropping every Sunday. So look forward to that on Patreon. Of course, this podcast that you're listening to right now, 24 hours ago, it was Patreon exclusive. After that, it's all free. So if you want to listen to this podcast ASAP on Thursday evening, Thursday night, instead of waiting until Friday evening, getting ready for the weekend, go subscribe to our Patreon page and you'll get it first fresh off the presses but no more waiting we got or i guess i convinced i conned this great young man into joining us as our producer extraordinaire chiming guy just general all-around badass you know him if you listen to 107.7 the franchise mr matt burton matt thank you thank you thank you thank you for helping us thank you for uh, putting your mushroom stamp on this podcast. <laughs> and uh, uh, we, we greatly look forward to uh, doing this with you a lot more. And, you know, it, I, I get it. Anytime you start a new job, you always want to kind of keep your head down, give yourself a chance to kind of understand what works, what, where can I kind of put myself into something. Uh, but once you kind of get that along, like seriously, be yourself. That's why I wanted you here. And I'm excited to have you a part of Through the Keel. For sure. And as far as like, you know, uh, trying to i'm not going to force my way in no this is consensual this is consensual podcasting here um but no i'm excited to be along (laughs) and taking you know i was looking for you know something uh kind of on the side to do uh during this football season that's really all i have is 1077 like teching and doing all the game day stuff uh, all that stuff that's really all i have to do so uh this was kind of a perfect perfect little match that we could do here obviously i get along with keegan brady me and you hang out all the time and yeah, so I, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. I listen to you guys all the time. So I've been a patron for a while. Uh, so no, I, I'm glad to do that. We're gonna have new intros, some outro music, and then you know just some some sound bites and stuff along the way. There we uh, go. So I, I'm excited. I'm excited for this. And real quick before Keegan chimes in uh, about you being a patron, you will not delete your pledge just because you're on. We're still taking your money, Keegan. No, for sure. What's up, my friend? How are you doing down up in Edmond Heights? It's been, a, it's been a good day. It's 
It's been an efficient, productive day. Uh, and I'm excited that I've got a little Fox College football. Um, as you guys can tell now, I've had a very frustrating day as well uh, with the puppy dogs decided just to bark, 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 bark. But I, uh, I'm excited. Bob Stoops is on my television, Brady. It's going to be a, a big football game tonight. Oh, Ohio State and who? The fighting PJ Flex, who I don't know. I cannot put my finger on what they're going to be this year. Yep. Well, I mean, at least we'll get to see Ohio State's quarterback and see what that – because really that's – I mean, that's the big hang-up for me with Ohio State is just I have no idea what to expect from the quarterback position. I mean, they've got talent all over, all over the place just because they're Ohio State. So, yeah, who knows? We'll find some stuff out, but college football – is indeed here thank god finally we are here and so guys with that Tulane, norman oklahoma we all know the story as to why uh keegan you and i uh, were invited to be a part of a uh of a live stream uh from our friends at fear the wave cover Tulane. they do a great job of course and i mean this is not because of me <laughs> at at all but I, I must say, like, what was the original goal for their uh, fundraiser for the, what was it, the uh, Louisiana Food Bank or the New Orleans Food Bank? I can't remember what the uh, service was called. But they got up to about thirty or $3,000, $3,100 the last I saw. So that was, of course, I'm, looking awesome. at, I'm making sure that what the title is, um, just so people, because it's still open for if you want to go donate and help out our friends down in southern Louisiana and the greater New Orleans area. Uh, I believe it was the second harvest. Yes, it was. Of yeah. course, my whole thing just reset. It was the second harvest of New Orleans or the greater New Orleans area. Uh, they are in a, I guess, in a place where they're delivering food and like canned food and all that fun, all those, you know, non-perishable items. So if you want to help donate to there, uh, I've retweeted it, tweeted it about 10 times. Um, I know Fear the Wave. I know Brady's retweeted it. You can go find that GoFundMe, and they were at a – I believe they were almost breaking 3,500, and the original goal was 1,000. So shout out to all the Oklahoma people that listened to us, that helped them out. Um, and I, I saw that there was a, a lot of people that I recognize, Brady, on the list of people that helped donate. Very good to see, very good to hear. And, again, like I'm sure there's going to be a lot of fundraising going around the stadium on Saturday and Norman. So just be cognizant and aware of that, everybody. I mean, the tailgate that – um, me and my family, my friends have, we're actually going to uh, donate to a service down in Louisiana, whatever money that we raise. And we usually make about from just donations, just for tips at the tailgate, we usually make about two, $300. So maybe uh, we can raise a little bit more just because it's going to a much better cause than just, Hey, all this food didn't just come out of nowhere. So uh, someone help us out here. Uh, but all that's great. All that's good. So let's get down to the football. That is Oklahoma and Tulane. So Keegan, uh, for the first segment today, I mean, oh. it's kind of just you know, like, again, oh, you should beat the crap out of Tulane. Oh, you is by far the better team. Yes. Uh, uh, there, there are some, there are reports, at least nothing official about Theo Weiss uh, being injured with a bone fracture in his foot. Uh, nothing official because Theo Weiss is still in the depth chart on the two deep as an or behind uh, Mr. Michael Woods. Because I say Michael Woods, because it actually kind of made me like, wait a minute, where's Mike Woods? Why isn't he on the two? Oh, yeah, his, his actual name is Michael. And he was um, listed as the Z. And I'm like, uh, is he, are they playing games? Is he playing games with us, Brady? Yes, that's what Lincoln likes to do with his depth charts. It's the last time that he gets to like, have a chuckle before the game. It's the last this, time. Like, th we, 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 we broke Mike Woods down. He's an outside receiver. I mean, it's clear, like, when you watch the tape, that's how Arkansas used him. Now he got to the line of scrimmage and inside a couple. I, it's just, like, Marvin Mims listed at, like, as an or with Drake Stoops. That was really good. And him also listed as the Y. And it's like, mm, like, are you sure? There's my, uh, there's my depth chart. Uh, there's my uh, complaints, and I need to get that venting out before, uh, before the game tomorrow when Mike Woods is lined up outside and Jaden Hazelwood's lined up inside. That's yeah, going to crack I my it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess like before, you know, we get into like the matchup itself between OU and Tulane. Like, yeah, I didn't really have anything to go off of with the depth chart because it's just like, you know, Lincoln Riley's kind of a troll in terms of the depth chart. There um, were 21 oars on it. Yeah. Right? 19, maybe? I don't know. I don't remember the exact number. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's a it's more than funny at this. I mean, it's not even funny at this point because it's, it's been going on now five or six years with Lincoln. So, you know, it's just what we what do you expect? It's not going to look any different than what you should expect uh, as an OU fan looking forward to the depth chart, other than just seeing like general stuff. But uh, on the offensive line, because I guess we'll, we should touch on this because again, this will be uh, for patrons only for the first twenty four hours. Uh, because our big talking point on Tuesday was just the offensive line after Lincoln Riley's press conference. And uh, what was it? Wanya Morris is at, is he, is he at right tackle instead of being at left tackle, like Lincoln Riley initially said, um, but still behind Tyrese Robinson, Eric. Swinson no, is, no, no, he's listed as an or Brady. He he's said he was going to start on Tuesday. Tyrese Robinson going to start on Tuesday. Sorry. I said, I was getting my, all my venting out a second ago. Um, and then list uh, Tyrese Robinson as an or starter with Wanya Morris, which well, I thought was so- well, son of a gun, son of a gun. And then Eric Swenson at left tackle starting over Anton Harrison, which is also an or. So who the, who the fuck knows? You know, like we're going to find out on Saturday. We're going to find out on Saturday. There are 20, 20 ors, by the way. Oh. <laughs> oh. Jack if you're Shields. counting kick return, if you kick return, there's, you know, Billy Bowman or Mario Williams. That is, uh, that is the 20th or. That, that was probably, speaking of Billy Bowman, that was probably the, the kind of, not the most surprising thing, but it was like a good, like, oh, like he actually got the nod to start. That, that's, that really speaks to how talented that kid is. Like he, he literally is starting on paper. Now, again, because of the or shit, like who knows what we, what we see on the first play compared to the 45th play on Saturday. And then, of course, as the season goes along, if everybody's healthy, who knows where this goes. But uh, to see an 18-year-old start at that position day one, of course, coming in the spring is going to have those advantages like he did. But uh, going by what we've known about him, what we've heard about him, having said all that, I was still fairly surprised in a very good way that he's getting the nod, Keegan. Or maybe I just – maybe I'm just so traditional and old at this point that I'm like, ah, I mean, 18-year-old starting at Nickelback day one when there's development – in front of him when he steps on the campus, maybe I shouldn't expect that. I think the big thing, Brady, is is Bowman. That position has so many responsibilities. We've talked about it ad nauseum for almost two years now. Um, The fact that you have to be such a good run fit defender, you have to be so good uh, in man coverage and being able to jam guys, especially big tight ends and, and fast slot receivers at the line of scrimmage. There's a lot of responsibility that comes with playing nickelback. So, one, I think it's huge from a – you can tell he's – the football IQ, he's a coach's kid, right, that he's being getting this opportunity to maybe start at nickel that is offered. I mean, Buki was the most instinctual player on that defense once Kenneth Murray left. So, Billy Bowman's going to have to have that – he's going to have to have those same instincts. Uh, I would imagine he does because I, I think a big part of, too, like he's at kickoff return. Like, you have to be a natural football player to be really good at that. Like, you have to have natural feel for space, holes opening up. Uh, you got to have great athleticism and speed and burst and all that fun stuff. So, all those things added together, right? I, I think Bowman, you know, I was big on him being a receiver coming out of high school. Uh, depending on how wide receiver depth goes this year, we'll see what ends up with that. But uh, yeah. he's, he's starting out on defense and – uh, I think, again, if, if that makes the defense that much better than what it would make the offense that much better, it's a good choice by Oklahoma. And uh, I'm not going to argue against anything Alice Grinch does after I got burned by David Uguayby last year. <laughs> well, that's the last argument thing here. That's the last little debate conversation we can have before we get into the matchup. With what we know, at least in terms of the report, because nothing's truly official yet. But with what we know about Theo Weiss, and I don't know how far you're willing to go, King, as you and I have had some conversations back and forth over the last 24 hours about Theo Weiss's status and what we've heard uh, both, you know, individually by ourselves. Uh, but if anybody wanted to see Billy Bowen on offense, I mean, there, there could be an opportunity at least early on, but maybe he's just too valuable on defense that Alex Grinch is like, no, I, I don't want him to get tired on offense. I don't want him to get hurt on offense. Lincoln, you have a thousand different receivers who can catch the ball, and you're good enough that you can scheme anybody open. So, hopefully, with Theo Weiss, it is a um, a minor injury in terms of he can come back at some point during the season. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, I hope so. Don't know anything official, of course. So, there's really no need to go further on speculation I guess with that point so with that Keegan unless there was any more depth chart reaction you wanted to get into other than I mean Deshaun White is uh, not starting 
which is another another little surprising thing. But again, that should speak to the depth and the development of this defense. Let's get right into Oklahoma Tulane and where Oklahoma has their strength against Tulane on offense. I think the big thing, the middle of the field is going to be wide open. Um, I know you guys haven't had time to watch and go through the Tulane defense video that's up on our Patreon right now. But they, they run a bunch of deep cover three stuff. They don't want anybody to get behind them. They run a bunch of deep cover four stuff. Uh, a little inside football here. You're gonna, you should expect that a lot more this year, especially on this Thursday pod. Uh, they're, the middle of the field is going to be open for Rattler. The RPO game is going to be open for, Rat, for Oklahoma, uh, not something that they've utilized a lot over the last couple of years. Heck, they haven't utilized it much at all since 2016. So you know, I think the RPO game is going to be there for Oklahoma. I want to see that in this game this week because that's going to be a big – if they can get the, if they can get some RPO stuff going, especially over the middle of the field, maybe some glance stuff to the outside, uh, that's going to open up this offense even more. And whenever you talk about, you know, maybe not having to have as, you know, as many two-back sets, Brady, uh, maybe, you know, you're having to rely on three wide receiver sets a lot more, the RPO stuff becomes even that more prevalent it becomes that more important. And so I think it can really open up the offense. You're going to see that this week. I, I think the, the big thing in the running game that is going to have potential, it's just dependent on how Tulane lines up. In the one game that we have in the UCF game, which is a great game to use because Josh Heifel was the offensive coordinator uh, down, in, down in Orlando last year. Uh, they ran a bunch of, you know, 11 personnel with a tight end on the field stuff. UCF did. Uh, Brady, Tulane was having a five-man box at times. Then they adjusted, and they went to a six-man box with a safety committed to the run game, so seven guys. UCF had some struggles with that, um, but I do think that it's all the run game stuff going to depend on how they line up. I'm expecting Oklahoma to have a tight end on the field, Brady, um, especially considering the two-back stuff. And so when you do look at kind of the strengths and what Oklahoma can take advantage of on Saturday, a lot of play-action stuff deep. Um, we've seen whenever teams run cover three, Oklahoma typically has an answer for that. Uh, the middle of the field is going to be open. Uh, I've, I've, you know, I, I didn't text you this, but I, I wrote this out. I, I expect first, you know, four first half touchdowns from Rattler on Saturday. Ooh. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Four first half touchdowns. Bold considering, you know, the, the foot on the gas thing that we've always talked about for the last six months being a big problem. But I think I called for four touchdowns on the uh, preseason prediction I did on Monday or on the Google Doc sheet that I shared on uh, through, the, through the Keel Patreon page that you can all look at and hold me accountable to and, sh- and see just how truly stupid I am week by week, month by month, and year by year. But, no, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, Oak- Tulane is going to be outmatched completely, even with some depth concerns at wide receiver depth concerns at the running back position for Oklahoma. Uh, But that's kind of like the big thing for me is Oklahoma needs to like, this is a very good test. Like this game Tulane does have some athletes, but not necessarily in terms of combating Oklahoma's offense, but they do present the challenge of Oklahoma. One of the problems you had last year outside of Texas tech was punch the team in the mouth, punch your opponent in the mouth early on, impose your will for the second quarter and separate yourself to such an extent that a comeback is just basically impossible for the opponent because you're not going to be great every possession. You're not going to score every possession. But if it's 42-3 to or 42-10 to in the second quarter, I'm sorry, that game is more than likely over. You should do that against Tulane. If it's if it's twenty four to ten, twenty four to seven in the second quarter, and then that's where we go into halftime. It's like, yeah, the game might end up being forty five to ten, and so it looks somewhat pretty after the fact. But we're all going to be sitting there in the third quarter, going, okay, if Tulane goes on one drive, this is for some reason a football game, and it that has no business being that. So Tulane presents the challenge of OU's offense. Please show us, even with your depth concerns, and especially with those depth concerns how good you are so that Eric Gray and Kennedy Brooks don't need to play that much in the second quarter so that the receiving core outside of the, the, the names that we know and we're familiar with outside of those guys, get everybody else some opportunities because, Oh, you might need to dip into their bag of receivers as we go further into the season. I think the two big things that I'm going to be watching for that, you know, could cause problems for Oklahoma. You mentioned the offense uh, Jaquan Jackson. He's not, 
he he's not Marquez Stevenson from Houston like that. It's not that kind of straight line speed. It's not that kind of agility and be able to you know take the doors off of defense. But he is quick. Five nine, five ten, buck sixty five, buck seventy. Uh, pretty good athletic receiver. You know, Deuce Watts, his brother Fat Watts, obviously gets all the attention. Um, but I, I do think Deuce has a shot yeah, to be a pretty good receiver. Um, the Jaquan Jackson kids, I think probably the receiver that's going to cause a little bit more issues. And I think the, the other two things, Brady, when you're talking about the offense, uh, left tackle, uh, Claybrook, I think he's pretty good. That should be a pretty good, you know, barometer for where Isaiah Thomas and Nick Benito are at. And then you guys are going to be surprised. I kind of like this quarterback. He's a little – It's a. It's, he's not – doesn't have a super strong arm doesn't you know is not super athletic uh but he's got some confidence he's gonna take some shots Willie Fritz gonna have some stuff lined up he's gonna have some he's a good offensive mind Fritz is and, and that staff so they'll have some stuff drawn up I'm sure they're gonna have a few explosive plays that people are gonna overreact to like they always do um but overall I, I do think Brady uh, defensively the right side of Tulane's offensive line could be a problem uh, center could be a major problem uh, for them on Saturday. And again, when you start talking about those things, how big of a test could it end up being? I don't know. But I'm going to flip over on the other side real quick and throw something to you. Because again, I know, Ooh. again, we're, we're uh, Brady, I, I did get it up late, a little bit later today. Hasn't, he hasn't had a chance to watch. But uh, as Brady just saw, I've got three defensive linemen listed of my guys to watch and uh, two or three linebackers. So I think their interior, the interior offensive line is going to be tested pretty good in the run game um, on Saturday. So I'm excited to see that, especially the uh, Hicks that, that's listed there. Um, I believe Akeem or my – I forgot what his first name is, but Hicks, he's number 94. He'll play defensive tackle. Uh, TCU needs to poach that guy like tomorrow from Tulane, Brady, because they have no <laughs> defensive tackles. Um, and then uh, Jackson kid, 77, uh, defensive tackle. He's going to be pretty good. Uh, he's lost like 45 pounds or something, Brady, this offseason. 95, 24 linebacker is an NFL guy. So the run game will be, especially inside, any inside zone stuff, counter game, all that fun stuff will be good and tested on Saturday. I'm not going to sit here and say that you're, we're going to sit here in the post game and go, oh, no, Oklahoma has more running game concerns again. But don't be surprised if, if a drive or two stalls early on. Um, as those guys will be fired up, um, those guys are good in the middle. And I'm excited to see, you know, what Chris Murray, you, you want to talk about guys that have size, the three guys that I've got listed on that depth chart, Brady, those guys have size. Chris Murray at 6'2", only 300 pounds or 290, 295, whatever it may be. This will be a great test for him um, yeah, on I mean, Saturday. Yeah, because the list you sent me of the names you're looking for for Tulane's defense, I mean, there's some size there. We're talking 6'3", 6'2", uh, 295, 300 pounds. So, I mean, just compare that, OU fans, to what the defensive lines OU been trotting out there, you know, two, three, four years ago. That's fairly similar, and this is Tulane, the Tulane Green Wave. So, there are, in, there are even in games like this, there are individual matchups and individual advantages, disadvantages, and tests that can be had. It's just the overwhelming talent is usually what wins out when it concerns Oklahoma. But yeah, I'm going to be keeping my eye on Chris Murray. But I guess the last thing before we get, get, switch over to the advantage, disadvantage for Oklahoma's defense, where, like, because you talked about the interior of the offensive line even though that's where a lot of the names are kind of like different, there's some new guys coming in, either Robert Congle or Andrew Raymond center. I mean, to you, what is, what part of the offensive line is closest to its ceiling already day one? Is it the interior or the uh, tackle position? Yeah, it's, it's certainly the interior. And I, I think the fact that Chris Murray has solidified himself at right guard um, speaks volumes to that. And it speaks volumes to that the tape finally didn't lie. Uh, Gabe Eichert, I know we mentioned their podcast a lot on here. They've got a bunch of good insight that not a lot of people have access to. Uh, mentioned that Murray's playing at an all-Big 12 level and camp through camp. Uh, if anybody that's listened to us over the last year, Brady, that's no surprise at all. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Chris His Murray, UCLA tape is – oh, my God. He's been, he's been a keyhole favorite for some time. So, uh, I, But I guess for that reason, it's like put up or shut up at this point. Uh, the right guard position by Tyrese Robinson last year was good. You know, we've criticized Tyrese Robinson, and I'm still a little questionable at him at right tackle, but who knows? Maybe he's made that leap in terms of his football IQ. 
and he can show off just the consistent good player that he was for, uh, let's just be fair, half the season last year. So now let's switch over to the defense, Keegan, uh, which is probably the easiest to the casual viewer, the easiest uh, strength versus strength of this game. That would be Oklahoma's front uh, defensive line, front seven against Tulane's rushing offense. I mean, Oklahoma's look at, I mean, I've seen multiple people on ESPN, Fox, say this is the best defensive line in the country. JP last night described them as the uh, best defensive line coming into the season. And from an outsider, Keegan, I must say that that's still a little, it's, it's awesome to hear. It's surprising, but it's also kind of like, like pointing out and like flipping all these lights off in my head going like, well, they got to prove it. And this is where probably the biggest test of this game individually, at least from my uh, perspective, where we can see if Oklahoma's defensive line is as legit as we are to believe with the depth and the talent, then Tulane should not, I mean, should they sniff 150 yards rushing as a team or am I being, am I being a little too unrealistic? That's fair. Uh, I will also say this, my bad. It's still game first game week. I did skip ahead there on the last segment. Um, but oh, I, will, I will say, I just listed everything kind of before. Left guard, left tackle for them is pretty good. Um, Clay Brook at left tackle, I, I think, is going to end up being an NFL guy at some point down the line. Uh, I don't know if it's as guard or a tackle. He is at 6'7", 300 pounds. Uh, but Michael Pratt at quarterback, I, I, th- he's going to hit a couple throws, guys, that are going to surprise you. Uh, he does have some pretty good arm talent. He's smart for, for last year. He was just a freshman. Um, it, it, you know, I, he's going to have a – the toughest test he has all year on Saturday um, at edge with Benito and Thomas, but uh, Jaquan Jackson, the guy I mentioned slot receiver, speedy guy, five, nine bucks, 65 bucks, 70 bucks, 75, whatever it may be. Um, and, and you're talking about a, a wide receiver that can test you know, the athleticism of these safeties. So I think those are kind of the areas that center right guard, right tackle, right guard, right tackle. We don't know much about cause they're going to be new guys for this year, but the center's got to be able to move people um, to be able to run the football well. And uh, this, is not, this is not a center. This is not a – yeah, heck, I, I like the Dublin guy at left guard a little bit, Brady, but this is a, an offensive line that I think is going to struggle immensely on Saturday. With that being said, I wanted to say, like I said a second ago, be prepared. Willie Fritz is going to have something prepared. Um, and, and the game, that if, if Brady, I, I think if you have watched the Tulsa game, they hit a couple – um, kind of specialty pop pass, you know, I'm not pop pass, one leak play, uh, actually uh, something that you see, you would see from Oklahoma, scored a touchdown on it against a really good Tulsa defense last year. Um, and they ran two tight ends on a vertical off of, um, you know, a two tight set that, you know, ended up working out. So for another touchdown. So they're going to have stuff called up that are going to work. They're going to have four or five explosive plays that you don't expect coming. So expect that. And, but at the same time, I would, uh, I would imagine I can't – like, it's hard for me to think that they could score. You said 150 yards rushing, and I know I hate using points as a barometer, but if they score over 20, like, I'd be shocked. But I also know that this second group and third group on Oklahoma's defense is going to play at some point. Yeah, but, I mean, we've been praising the depth for so long that even the second unit guys and even some of the third unit guys should have a lot of success. Corey Roberson and Laurent Stokes are listed at the three at defensive tackle. That is just absurd. Wait, they're, they're not oars, are they? No, they're straight up listed as the third rotational guy, which is like, still whatever, crazy. Whatever intern prints out that depth chart, I wonder if he just kind of gets so lost in his job of hitting or <laughs> that he just accidentally does it. It's like, or Joseph Wette, and then everyone just loses their fucking mind. Like, oh, my God, Joseph Wette? <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. And I hate to pick on that, but um, it is what it is. Uh, the secondary, Keegan, I mean, you, you kind of brought it up with uh, uh, Willie Fritz. Uh, I mean, Kamiar and uh, Jack Shields on their podcast, Crimson Cream Machine, um, they, they brought this factor up of, like, basically, you know, really, Alex Grinch doesn't have a gigantic understanding of what Tulane is going to roll out there just in terms of, like, having a lot of film to watch. Now, have, that all being said, Oklahoma should still win even if they rolled out there with the Maryland eye or the wishbone. Like, yeah, they'd have to adjust to it, and, and I, I would hope Alex Grinch – post game would not then say something like Scott Frost and say, well, our entire game plan went out the window (laughs) 
the second they lined up the way that they did. Hopefully, that's Has not Alex how- Grinch changed a game plan in the last three years? I mean, OU fans were screaming at him during Kansas State in 2019 <laughs> to change something. Like, stop slanting! God damn it! I mean, that game, again, that's like the last one that just straight up scheme-wise just didn't make sense. But also, too, it doesn't hurt, it doesn't hurt that uh, that was Kenneth Murray's last bad game as a Sooner, too. Oh, that was bad. <laughs> C.D. Lamb had an incredible game. Kenneth Murray had a bad, bad game. But I honestly, I just even thinking about it, like, it's still shocking he went in the first round with that tape out there. But now he's yeah. killing it in the NFL, so it doesn't matter. Well, of course. But don't look at a picture of him standing next to Kobe McKenzie and then not get excited because, oh, my gosh. Sure. Sure. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I mean, if Tulane is going to score, like, some surprising points in this game, I kind of think it's going to come from at, at the expense of the secondary, maybe, like, on a big play, or not necessarily they score on a big play, but there is a big play that happens on one of their drives, and then it sets them up with a short field and they kick field goals or they're able to score a touchdown. And it's not just, it's not because I think the secondary is trash or I, I don't think the secondary is ready, but just when you're juggling so many new names, so many new names into a rotation, because there's going to be a lot of, they're going to be starters. They're going to be guys that play probably the majority of these game or majority of the snaps in these games uh, with this, with this Saturday and then every Saturday moving forward from here on out. So, uh, I think that that's going to take some time. And I think that that has the ability for like somebody to get beat over the top, miscommunication in the back end. That's where I see Tulane scoring in this game. Uh, I just don't know if it's going to be that much to even really matter. It really shouldn't matter because Oklahoma's offense should be just humming, you know, from the get go. But with where you saw the depth chart, and again, we've already shat on that enough, but with what you saw the secondary on the depth chart, what are you expecting against Willie Fritz offense against Tulane with what they're going to roll out there and with the guys that we have a very good inkling and very good feeling that they're not starting, but they're going to play at least half the snaps of any football game this Saturday or this season. I'm expecting two explosives, like two, but like not busts, right. But more well-designed offensive plays that end up working out. You know, those things happen. I'm expecting two or three of those. I mean, they had those last year, and there were pass plays. They weren't run plays. I think the big thing, Brady, and you're talking about Willie Fritz, a lot of people remember the 2017. And honestly, Willie Fritz's offense for a long time, it was that kind of inverted triple option that they ran, and it was so fun to watch. Uh, if you look at what Coastal Carolina does right now, if anybody listening watched one of their games, it's very similar to that. So I, I would say that it's nowadays, it's more of a traditional spread. Um, than what it was before. A lot of motioning in and out. Um, so it, it is going to test the eye discipline of this defense, especially the safety and the linebackers, to make sure they're not getting caught, in, you know, with any eye candy. Uh, outside of that, again, I – like if I – Tulane fan – if any Tulane people are listening to this, I, I would not expect any play-action shots to work. I would not expect any time he have is, is having to drop back and wait for a route to get open to work. I, it's just – I don't think they're going to have the time, um, but can occasionally – can they find three, maybe four explosive plays against Oklahoma's defense that are schemed up? Yeah. Can they put one or two drives, really good drives together? Yeah, I think they can. Uh, but, I, again, I, I still think it's just going to be tough. Sl- I mean, I, I've been trying, as you know, Barney, I always try to put this puzzle together of, uh, like, how can they – obviously everybody does it. How can they attack this offense and, you know, how many – good plays can they put together in a drive and it just I mean I can't I, I can't get there and I, and I know it's like okay let's wait and see what this defensive line is going to look like Brady but again I, it's going to be hard for Tulane to get a lot of consistent drives put together they're going to have a lot of negative plays on Saturday but at the same time I, I do anticipate them to find two to three like I said four explosives and maybe put a couple good drives together because, again, Willie Fritz is a good coach. He's going to have them ready. Um, they're going to be prepared. They're going to be – it's going to be a lot better of a season opener than, hell, if you go back and look at the Houston game, right, in 2019. Like, this will be a lot better barometer um, in terms of the co- – in terms of how well coached they are offensively. Now, defensively is a different question, but specifically uh, Tulane's offense will be a little bit better of a test in terms of Oklahoma's discipline, Oklahoma's depth, and putting games away. The silly, silly factor I have for this game 
And I don't know, I mean, Matt, if you if you can remember this, if you were here for that game, then chime in, please. Keegan, I, I, I don't know. This was, I believe, 2010. Air Force came to town. And OU won 27-24. And a lot of that was just because Air Force played a good game. Oklahoma's defense took some time that season to kind of get up to the point where they ended up that season where they were fairly good uh, winning the Fiesta Bowl against UConn in the Big 12 against Nebraska. Uh, but I remember thinking in that game, you know the reason why they're playing well and they're not intimidated is because OU went out of their way to, we love the military, we love America, everybody clap when Air Force comes onto the field, everybody <laughs> loved them, they're defending our country, all of which is true. But I'm sorry, when the game starts... We're OU fans. We are not rooting for the Air Force Academy. I just have this feeling, uh, not a strong feeling, but I just have this feeling like there's going to be a lot of good feelings out there for Tulane once they come out in the field and like, and very, you know, deservingly so. A lot of these players are from the area. You can just look at their two deep. You can see like all the Louisiana names. With that said, once the game starts, if you're OU fans, no, no cheering, and no, please, OU, don't go out of your way with promos of like everybody, everybody really think like we love, we love Tulane, and uh, uh, don't don't cheer when OU scores against them because that's just mean. And uh, no, 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 it's a football game. This is not life. This is a football game. Go beat them and then shake their hands afterwards and then give all the proceeds to Tulane and the state of Louisiana. So hopefully. That's overindulgence of being a gracious host does not happen again enough. It should happen a little bit more than usual, of course, but not not 2010 Air Force levels. And and I was gonna say too to that, Brady. I I think this looks a lot different because Alex Grinch is a defensive coordinator. I'm just gonna be real about that. Like I, they're not gonna take Tulane lightly defensively, and I think Brent that's where the slander. Not necessarily Brent Venable slander by any means, but I, I would say that I don't know if – I think if Grinch has – Grinch's stench, I guess that sounds terrible to say, but Grinch's <laughs> kind of stench has uh, has gotten on to Lincoln a little bit. So I would anticipate that they're not going to be that way, uh, especially considering that they do need to send a strong message in every game they play this year. Now that's, that's the bumper sticker if Alex Grinch's defense start to suck is just the Grinch stench. We'll, we'll make that T-shirt later for sale on uh, through the Keyholes Patreon page. Matt, no, Matt I cut you, you off. Yeah, go. Oh, no, yeah. We're, we're good. I was just going to say I had, like, that exact same take against uh, – at the against the, or after the Army game. The Army game that goes yeah. to overtime famously, like – I don't know, I felt kind of like an asshole about it. But <laughs> I'm like, hey, I, Army has this built in – like, all the academy, they have this built in, like, you can't really boo them or go out of your way to, like – taunt them or cheer against them you know it's like it was it was weird because I was at the army game and (sighs) every single break every single break in the action tv timeout there was you know some sort of and which is great it's it's awesome like you know all of our militaries should get you know they should get their shot like get recognition and you know all the the reuniting of the families you know all that stuff like someone that's been deployed has come over Oh yeah, but, but like all that stuff is awesome. It's cool, and it just there's it's just every single timeout or like TV timeout that something like that is happening, and it's just like no, <laughs> it's just it's it, you know it, it, there's a built they have like a built-in not advantage, but you know there there's not a huge uh, home field disadvantage if that makes sense. You know? Yeah, I I mean some people just have trouble like. They have trouble not misplacing competition with real life. Right. And look, like, I, I love the military. My dad was in the Air Force for 20 years. So, you know, military brat speaking here. Love the military, right. everything about it. Uh, but once the game is on, just because you're cheering against them does not mean you hate them or that you, you know, right. it's not personal. It's only personal when OU plays Texas because fuck them. You know, I don't give a <laughs> shit about Texas except for, like, thank you for helping us get to the SEC and leaving this seeking ship of a conference. But uh, outside of that, it's like, no, I hope we beat the shit out of you, and I-, I wish ill will against you and only you on this earth, the University of Texas. So 
Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a little factor that I've been thinking of. I'm trying to make this matchup a little bit sexier than it already is. I mean, it would be great if OU played basically – if they had to play a group of five team every year and cycle through a, like a handful of them, I wish they would play Tulsa, Houston, and Tulane. Like that would be, to me, very easy logistically. It makes a lot of sense for alums that are in the areas of Tulsa, Houston, and, and just Louisiana, New Orleans is great for recruiting. So that, to me, makes a lot of sense. Hopefully, Oklahoma and Tulane play a lot more than just the 2024 return game and then, of course, the game in New Orleans to be named at a later date. But as we move across the country, Keegan, uh, we'll hit this kind of fairly quickly. Uh, what games around the country have you kind of had your eye on? Uh, of course, Ohio State playing on later tonight. And that's, of course, very influential for Oklahoma because, again, you know, we might find out about Ohio State's quarterback. Uh, but are there any other games on Saturday that have some type of influence on OU for this season? Well, I think the three biggest ones are, are Penn State, Wisconsin, uh, Georgia, Clemson, obviously. <laughs> and uh, I train of thought, this has been ridiculous. It's Georgia. It's the dogs, right? Literally, they're, yeah. They're, it, they're it saying is, dogs, it, man, dogs. Yeah, it's been absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, to me, I really need to see Alabama because, I mean, of course, I picked Miami to beat Alabama, and I'm not really looking forward to that game for that reason. I just really want to see what Alabama looks like. Like, I, there's a part of me that wants to believe that, yes, they're going to still be the, the same steamrolling machine that they've been, even despite the loss of talent and the loss of talent on the sideline that they have to replace with all the coaches that left with Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, but there is the other side of me that just thinks all that is way too much to overcome, that they might take a minor step back. They're not losing four or five games. They might lose one or two and miss out on the SEC title game, therefore potentially missing out on the playoff. And I think we can find that out day one, game one against Miami, because, again, I picked Miami to beat Alabama in a big upset. I'm going out on a limb, understandably so. I, I do like De'Eric King. But I will say I think – if Alabama just basically goes out there and does what they typically do on neutral site home, uh, neutral site openers against uh, power five opponents, except for West Virginia back in 2013, they just, or 2014, I can't remember. They kind of toyed around with them and won by two or three scores. I can't remember. Someone can tell me I'm an idiot, but I think if Alabama has a great performance, then we can kind of come away from week one going, ah, I don't know if Alabama's taking a step back to Georgia or even Texas A&M uh, just yet. But if they go out there and screw around or Miami straight up beats them or Miami barely loses to them, I think that will give us a little bit more evidence to go, yeah, this might be that down year, that Cam Newton year, that Joe, that, uh, Joe Burrow year where Alabama just, they're good. They're very good. They're just not, super elite in their own conference because there's going to be someone else that's going to be just a tad bit better than them in conference. I'm with you on this Alabama game. I, I think the most interesting is just how is – I want to see how Alabama's edge rushers are this year. Uh, that's going to be a great test against Miami's tackles. I want to see how the secondary is tested. And I, I think this the linebacker group at Bay is probably the strength of their team. Uh, and, you know, like – what kind of value is a linebacker when you think in like the big picture with football, right? You know, so it's, it's one of those things where Bama's in an interesting position. Uh, the offensive line's almost brand new outside of Evan Neal and Emil Ikior, and they have a brand new wide receiver group. They have a brand, besides John Mechie, um, they have a brand new quarterback, brand new offensive, brand new offensive line coach. The last time this kind of thing happened, right, Tua got hurt. Uh, they struggled. They lost a couple games they probably shouldn't have. So it, it's – or no, the, the, the yeah, with that year. And then they also had the coaches year where everybody left and was replaced, Brady, and uh, they got beat by Clemson. They got drummed by Clemson in 2018. So everything considered and everything being said, that game does have a little – I think a little, you know, influence, right? Like I want to see Bama cover that line. I think it's up to – it's at 19 and a half. But ultimately, though, this Bama team is going to be one that's going to grow throughout the year. So I don't know how much because of how young they are. So I don't know how much, like, we're going to learn from Bama. But I will say, I mean, it's a big weekend in the Big 12. I mean, Kansas State needs to beat Stanford. West Virginia needs yeah. to beat Maryland. And Texas, Texas needs, to beat, needs to beat Louisiana. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, those things need to happen. So uh, I, I, don't, I have West Virginia losing. And I have, I believe, 
I have Texas. No, I may have Tech winning. No, I have Tech winning. I have Tech winning. Yep. I have West Virginia losing um, to Maryland. But those are uh, three big games Big 12 country. Yeah, Tech beating Houston, right? They're playing Houston. And yet and, they, yeah, at NRG. Yeah, and yet they damn near lost to Houston Baptist last year. Is that right? Was it Houston Baptist? Yeah, at home. Oh. <laughs> no, this is a big non-conference, I, I guess, swan song potentially for the Big 12. Um, it could help OU out because there are some teams out there that we've had our eyes on that could potentially either go undefeated or have one loss. And if OU goes undefeated or has one loss, just because they're going to start out high does not guarantee them that they can get into the playoff with only four spots. So it behooves the Big 12 to have somewhat of a great performance on week one, but usually, like, really, like, week one, week two, week three. But the Big 12 kind of goes into conference play and really asserts itself. That's just going to make OU's potential victories against those Big 12 schools all the more better because, hey, Kansas State beat Stanford. They're a Power 5 team. Hey, Texas beat Louisiana and Arkansas, two or one top 20 team and another Power 5 team in Arkansas that's on the up and up for all we know. So, uh, all this is important other than just being excited for college football. If you're like really cognizant of like every little factor that goes into, Oh, you potentially winning their eighth national title. We have to pay attention to that crap too. But uh, gentlemen, uh, even Matt, I want you in on this too. Um, I think you might've had like an idea on Tuesday when we did it. Uh, maybe you've had a few more days to really think about it and fine tune your idea. But uh, for the non patron listeners that will of course be able to listen to this, after this podcast has been live for 24 hours, again, through the keyhole, please go uh, give us a chance and follow along, subscribe, $1, $4, $5, and you can listen to this podcast at the 4 or the $5 tier as soon as it goes live. But please, gentlemen, game score predictions, mine, I'm not hedging at all. I'm not moving from it. It's still 56 to 10 Oklahoma. I'm at 59-24 Oklahoma. I, I, as I said, I expect two to three explosive plays. I know I said it's hard to see them scoring over 20, but I, it's hard to not – it's happened the last two years, even with this defense, um, where they, they do give up a big play or two that they probably shouldn't have. Um, it's not a coverage bust. It's not anything. It's because Oklahoma slants the wrong way, and Alex Grinch likes to slant and twist and stunt on every single play. So there's going to be two or three plays where Tulane catches them in a, in a stun or in a twist. Um, and they're going to be able to score some. So I have 59-24. I have Bradley with four first half touchdowns. I feel pretty confident in that, and I feel pretty confident that he will be out midway through the third quarter. Uh, I expect I expect it to be somewhat of a game early on. Like I said, the defensive tackles from uh, Tulane will will they will surprise people. Like they, those guys are good. I mean, they got three guys that that can cause some disruption that can be moved. They have an NFL linebacker, the uh, Henry, the six-year transfer from Oklahoma State at linebacker. Um, and then the, the other guy that they have that was number 40 last year, um, those three guys can play. So I expect it to be a little bit of a game early, especially as Oklahoma probably tries to establish the run. The middle of the field is going to be open. They're going to be able to have a bunch of, you know, wide cross patterns, Brady, where they're going to put a post behind it. They're going to get a safety to bite on it. They're going to have guys wide open behind it. So, I, I, again, I, I anticipate Lincoln and Oklahoma has their way from about, what, first, second drive of the second quarter through about midway through the third quarter. Um, I think it's going to be full drive mode, um, and they're going to figure Tulane out pretty quickly, and it's going to get put away 59-24. Yeah, give me, uh, give me 56-17. I think uh, – yeah, no, I, I think this is going to be a blowout. I think all – I also think uh, they're, all their touchdowns come in the second half. I don't think I don't think they score any in the first half. I just I can't see that. I don't know. I think this OU defense is going to be too good. Uh, I'm I am completely believing in all of the hype, hook, line, and sinker on this defense. So uh, I'm excited to watch it though. Sounds good to me. Last bold prediction, guys. Yes or no? Does OU's defense have more than one shutout this season? No. Ooh, Matt. Yes, I'll go yes. I'm not going to ask you to tell me who they are, but Kansas, okay. Kansas, Western Carolina. <laughs> you 
<laughs> the two Come worst on teams now. on the schedule. Come on. <laughs> Come on. It, it watch. It'll be Texas and Iowa State. Texas, Everybody, yes, you, you're, you're, you're not accounting. You're not accounting for a Ralph Ruck six against Western Carolina, man. Ah, uh-huh, dude. No, right. I'm okay, kidding. No, I guess no, that would be the defense no, would still not. pitch a shutout, right? <laughs> yeah. I guess technically. technically. Just wait. Just wait till Justin Broyles goes out there. Wow. <laughs> wow. Just, guys, that we saw it with our two Boo. and four eyes. I, I'm sorry. I know he's nice. Everybody, thank you so very much for continuing to listen to what was once called Inside OU, but is now all through the keyhole. Moving forward, just for those who are not aware, we are moving into our in-season format. Uh, our podcast will now be on Tuesday. That will be completely free if you are subscribed to this podcast feed. On uh, that was once called Inside OU. You will get the through the keyhole uh, post Lincoln Riley press conference on Tuesday. Podcast completely free. Thursday's podcast, this one that you're listening to right now, will be on Patreon at patreon.com/slash through the keyhole for the first 24 hours, and then free uh, for everybody. And then our post game reaction pod, usually on Saturday evening, because let's face it, all these games are at fucking 11 a.m. in the morning, uh, but Whenever we're done with all of our radio duties, all of our writing duties, and everything else that we have to do, <laughs> I said duty twice, uh, Keegan, Matt Burton, and I will meet up at the apartment to record our Patreon post-game reaction pod. Again, heard only and exclusively on our Patreon page at Through the Keyhole. But once again, thank you so much to Matt Burton for joining us, helping us out. Follow him on Twitter at I am Matt Burton. He is now a part of the Keyhole family, and he cannot leave and we're going to enjoy it as much as possible. But there you have it, everybody. We're here. College football has arrived. Ohio State's about to kick off, if they've not already. Oklahoma will be kicking off in just, at this point, oh, about 30-some-odd hours. I can't do math, but we're almost there. You can listen to Matt Burton and I, along with Sean Thurmond, on Saturday morning, early from 5 to 7 in the morning, on 107.7 The Franchise as we start pregame coverage for the Oklahoma Tulane game. But for Keegan Renault, Matt Burton, Brady Trantham here, everybody, thank you so much for listening to Keegan Keyhole. Until next time, Boomer Sooner, and we will talk to you later.